What up peoples, on today's show we set out with a challenge to prove once and for all that bigger does not always mean better. Along with Paul bringing you the usual weekly news and Kickstarter campaigns, this is the podcast with Crawley Gaming Community. What's up guys, my name is Jason. And my name's Ian. We are two game club organisers shooting the breeze about tabletop gaming. So pop the kettle on, grab a brew, and let's move on to today's episode. And for this week's show, we have set ourselves a small challenge of proving that bigger doesn't always mean better. <laughs> of course we mean tabletop games for those of you chuckling out there like Ian. I don't know what you mean. But before we get to that, we are going to talk about the games that have been torturing our bank accounts. And arriving on our doorstep. So, Ian, have you been spending more money this week? Because you've been on a real binging bender this week. I have. I have bought one more game, and then I have said that's it for a little while until um, the new Pokemon and Digimon sets make their way. Um, But I did buy Pandemic Legacy. Um, I intend to set this up with a group in the comic book shop on our Wednesday nights before too long, and I am really looking forward to giving it a go. You've only been buying one game this week, then. For now. And it'll be a few weeks before anything else. Well, I say that, actually. The pre-releases for Pokemon are coming up, so I lie. But <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that Digimon have got a uh, pre-release in a few weeks as well, if I remember correctly. I've got, I get payday before then. That's the end of the month. Oh, that's um, not too bad. There's then. a pre-sale in um, Brighton. So I'm going to go get some early-release Digimon cards. Very nice. There's, uh, yeah, November is set to be a very expensive month for me as well. Um courtesy of paul reminding me on last week's news thanks very much for that paul you've definitely got your revenge there i think i have purchased a few things this uh this week in fact i'd say i've purchased i've had a few things delivered um for those of you that did not know last week was actually my birthday and i've had some very nice things uh purchased for me as well as the things that i got myself so um i had bandido Purchased for me is a game I've absolutely loved for ages. A very small box game, and more on that later. Courtesy of Ian and my partner, they got together behind my back and purchased me two Star Wars Destiny booster boxes and two draft decks uh, with the intention of running a, a draft very, very soon at one of the clubs, which... Yeah, if any of you guys are interested in joining into, let me know, because we're going to be looking for numbers very, very soon. And some more draft decks. And some more draft decks. Obviously, we need to purchase more of those if we're going to have more than two people. Uh, along with that, I have also been gifted some uh, some Amazon vouchers, which I happily went and bought an airbrush spray booth, which I have been meaning to buy for well over a year. Um, I've had an airbrush and a compressor for that long, and I've not had anywhere to really do it because if i do it in my uh in my living room i will get killed do it um i don't have my own man cave as of yet i am converting a shed to be a man cave so <laughs> and then the last thing that i have purchased with some of the uh the birthday cash that i have is not technically gaming related but as i'm sure a lot of you out there will assimilate to is definitely gaming related and that was a really nice coffee machine Trust me, when it comes to editing this podcast and playing long, drawn-out games, coffee 
is definitely a gaming-related tool. So yeah, I've had a fair few things turn up this week. Very nice to open those indeed, and thank you very much for the birthday present as well. You're welcome. That was awesome. Look forward to cracking them open. But let's talk about the games that we've played this week. Now, I know you haven't actually played that much, but you did play one that you really, really wanted to play. I have. Um, I finally, well, I mentioned a couple of weeks back that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kickstarter had finally arrived after its epically long voyage around three times around the globe, where it went from China to Europe, then back to China, and then back to Europe, and then to me, due to errors on the boxes. Thanks, customs. Yeah, finally got to crack that out, and I actually really enjoyed it. It was quite difficult. We played a four-player cooperative game. Now, just want to point out that this game is a standalone sequel, and the original Turtles game IDW did was 4v1, so someone had to play as the villains. They've now put an AI mode in. My only issue with the AI mode is the rule books like a Where's Wally book of sending you back and forwards to the AI mode versus the player rules. So you're sort of trying to understand it over a long period of a long thick rule book so we did make a few mistakes that were sort of like unrepairable in our very first game swiftly tweaked how to fix it but by this point it was like half nine and we finished at 10 so we did wrap up without actually completing the first mission however we're looking forward to having another crack at it again because it is a campaign game it gives you actually a comic book to follow of missions with a comic pages in between as a storyline that's pretty cool and the models are fantastic and i quite like the dice system so you roll three dice each but you can share dice with the people to your left and to your right so you get like a token to indicate which dice they have but if you use their dice you know which you have to work between you to decide they don't have that turn to spend so it's quite an interesting system of someone can have up to five dice but that leaves two of the other players down you know on a weaker run and the other way is the way the ai system worked with turn order is you shuffle a like um initiative deck and you reveal each card and everything of that that character goes so if it's enemies like the foot soldiers all the foot soldiers activate when leonardo came up the player who's playing as leonardo which is me got to activate you know and it was just a really sort of clever way that after each round of everything once that deck's finished you shuffle it all up and it's going to be a completely different order the following term nice so here's a question for you i know that um both of us have had a pretty bad experience in the past of idw games uh with the game that we both love uh being nickelodeon splat attack for those of you that don't know, our main gripe with that game is the rulebook that came with it was really, really good, providing you were playing a four-player game, and not so good if you played with anything other than four players. Well, the problem with Splat Attack was it was just listed, li- littered with errors. The, as Jason just said, the rulebook didn't come with the option to scale the players. The original 90s Turtles, their character cards were just broken. So they had to fix those. There were error on a few other cards. And as I said, the rulebook made it just like pretty much unplayable for anything other than like exactly four people. So how, how did um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles compare with regards to Splat Attack? Miles better. As I said, yet again, IDW I had issues with. It was supposed to ship in January and due to them messing up the European um, warning labels all across the side of all the boxes, it went back again. So it only turned up in September when it was already delayed to January, you know. So um, I could have gone and bought a copy of the game in the shops before mine arrived. And that's that's always a big no-no with Kickstarters. Yeah, I think it's it goes without saying, really. Uh, companies need to deliver to the people that have actually assisted them making the game first. Uh, I know Cool Mini or Not had that 
storm, shall we say, hit them a few months ago when they did the Marvel United Kickstarter, and then within a week of the Kickstarter ending, they had the base game available in shops in in America. It was later revealed that those boxes were put out too early, but we're only talking two, three weeks early. So, you know, some of the guys still haven't got their copies. I've also seen another company do that with Welcome 2, where there were errors in trying to get things shipped out delays but yet they did the company themselves decided to take a load of um, sale copies to one of the comic cons last year and start selling which upset a lot of us yes but again ignoring those because it's you know there's errors to do with the campaigns more than anything than the actual game i've been really impressed with the turtles i'm already looking at hunting down the original kickstarter because you can now use the ai rules from the new game in the original pl- you know to play with the original stuff that's really good so um with what i have it's easily adaptable and there is a mini expansion due out soon which because of the delays i have access to a discount on that's always a bonus so um i may well look into that as well because I-, I i can see me playing this quite a lot once it's up and running it's definitely a game i would like to play yeah um, although i'm not a big fan of campaign based games it, it, i love the franchise so It's a game I'm going to play, whether I'll be in it for the long run. (laughs) It's another question altogether, but I will do my very best. Um, I have been a very busy bee this week, to be honest, with playing games. Um, While Ian was playing at the comic shop last week, he was playing his long game of Turtles. I was dotting about about playing a few games with a lot of new people that we had turn up, and that was great fun. First and foremost, to see those new players, but also to get in a nice variety of games. One that I'm sure you will all know by now from the episode that we did very recently. And these new players had actually heard that episode and really wanted to try it, and that was Wacky Races. I won't go into any detail on that. If you are interested, go back and check out the Wacky Races episode. Or if you're watching on YouTube, there'll be a link somewhere at the top of the page that will take you to that. Short of that, I have been playing a little bit more of Star Wars Destiny talked about that last week not going to go into it again to bore you guys i have also been invited again by the bored stupid podcast to join them in playing a game of pandemic iberia this was actually my very first outing with the game pandemic and i've got to say i'm really happy with it i've always said it's a modern classic just from seeing it but actually being able to play it was great the iberia game is for two to five players ages eight and up about 45 minutes gameplay co-op hand management strategy game This particular one is set in 1848 in the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, The players take on the roles of a nurse, a railwayman, doctor, sailor and many more to find a cure for malaria, typhus, yellow fever and cholera. Players then travel between the cities to fend off the the spread of the viruses uh, using purified water and researching cures. So yeah, it's very similar to the original Pandemic. But really, really fun. A nice take on the original uh, concept. Again, Matt Leacock, has, he's just nailed it with that game mechanism. It's Pandemic as a franchise. is just such a good game. As I said earlier, I'm looking forward to the um, Legacy version because I've heard great things about it but never managed to get around to it and finally getting my hands on a copy was too tempting to pass up. Yep, it'll be good to actually see that on the table. Again, whether I'll join into it is another question, being a legacy game, but we will see. I'm pretty sure I'm, I've am i been press-gagged into, uh, into joining into this one. One of us. One of us. <laughs> uh, one final game that I did manage to play last week uh, at the comic shop with the new guys was actually Bandido, which, again, we are going to go into a little bit more in the main section of this show. 
And I've got one final game to add that I've managed to play is again I, I'm not going to explain it much now because we will go into it shortly but I managed to uh, ironically at work with um, one of my clients I got to play the game Timeline. Such a simple quick little game educational at the same time god forbid and I am really terrible at it which is great but yeah I will go into more detail on that shortly. And I think that concludes the games that we've been playing this week and Talking of that game segues absolutely fantastically into the main topic of this week. So, this week we decided when we have our gaming nights, we quite often, we chat for a little bit, or when we finish the big games, we've got a little bit of time left over, but not enough to do another game. So what do we do then? So we had to think about it, and we have quite a, quite an army now of um, small box games, or very quick game, quick fire games. We all look at an average, uh, all the games we picked have an average playtime of less than 30 minutes. But these are like our warm-up and warm-down games, some of which we've mentioned before, so we won't go into heavy detail into those. Others which will go, you know, we'll give you a good rundown, but we figured it'd be worth letting you guys know what can you do to sort of wind in and wind out of a session? Yeah, and it's a really interesting subject because we actually find that when you talk to established gamers, they always talk about those big box, big ticket games like your Scythe, like your Rising Sun, like Western Legends. Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven, Nemesis. There's so many out there that have just got those massive names attached to them and huge boxes, you know, monstrous timelines. Now, they're great. I love those games, I really do. But sometimes, as you say, when you finish that game and you're at a gaming club and you don't really want to call it a night but there's not enough time to start up again, this is where these games really come into their own. And we actually find that these games are incredibly popular and more importantly, I see more smiles generally from people playing these games. So it leads you to believe that maybe these games are just as fun and entertaining as those big ticket boxes exactly and there's such a variation as well once again pvp co-op different styles different themes um social deduction games roll and write games dice dice games general knowledge you know even trivia comes into it you know lots of really interesting things and different play things to suit every play style but just on a quick time limit so those games that you find, you, you know, you, you've got half an hour left of your game night or, you know, you just want a quick wind down game, maybe a quick palette cleanser after a big indulgent game. And you just want something quick, simple, easy to pick up to play. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, because these are some of the best games you will find. So starting off, talking of wide genres, I'm going to bring him back into the room timeline. There are loads and loads and loads of versions of this game uh, recently i think i might have mentioned this a cut you know about a month ago um that i picked up in tk maxx a science museum version of this game which is what i played um this week pretense of this game you have a deck of cards this particular deck is of 110 cards each card on one side of it has a picture and then a description so for example, this being the Science Museum, I've got things like the first non-stop flight across the Atlantic Ocean. It's got a nice picture of a plane. On the other side of the card, exactly the same information, but with a date. So, for example, this one is 1919. So when that event happened. Each player gets a certain number of cards dealt to them with without the date visible. Must Key point there. Um, it varies the amount of cards depending on the players. You can go anywhere from two to six, two to eight players in this game. And the idea of the game is you've got to fit your cards within said timeline 
that's on the table and and then just till you've got none left so you'll start with one face-up card with a date on the table and then you've got to guess whether whether yours fit where you know fits before or after that card but as more get added to the timeline you've got to fit them in the gaps in the right places you know and it can be even as close as some of the dates can be a year apart and if you get it wrong you have to put your card back in the storage box and pick a new one uh, you know and you keep going till you have, the winner has has is the one with no cards left in front of them Nice. So yeah, a very nice, simple gaming concept there. It's not a game that I have personally played, uh, but you explained it to me and I think I understood it almost immediately, which is a really good sign for a quick game like that. It needs to be easy to understand to the point that you can just sit down and bang off off you go. Yep, I do care working and I do some of my calls are companionship calls. I have one on Monday afternoon at the moment and my client was quite happy to give this a go. We got three games of this in, in about... 30 minutes with our you know with the fact i had to do other tasks during my call and he thoroughly enjoyed it and it just showed a light of a non-gamer you know who wasn't quite sure how easily he and quickly he picked this up and how much he enjoyed it and there are versions of this for everyone there's ones on general history inventions um i actually have both the two star wars ones they've done which is put the events of the films within the right timeline there's one for the prequels one for the original trilogy you can even mix them although it makes it slightly easier but it's it's really clever how easy it is for them to keep churning out more copies of this game but if you wanted to most obviously star wars can't but most can be all mixed together you know so um you could have like about eight copies of this with a stack of like 500 plus cards but they would all still um follow along a normal historical timeline so i'm going to come in with another game that i've had for a long time and i don't think me and jason have actually had the time to properly play this yet Uh, i hate to say this this almost falls in my pile of shame I played it before with someone else bringing it to Jason's club, ironically. Um, one of my friends, um, Chris, shout out to you. And I loved it. I bought a copy and then it's been one of those ones that sort of sat there because it's mostly a two-player game, but you can go more. And it's called Five Minute Chase. So the idea of this is you have two teams. You have a group of robbers that um, are trying to get to their hideouts. And you have a group of police trying to work out where they've gone. So it is literally played in five minutes, as the game says. And it's a tile-laying game. But each tile has multiple offshoots of um, roads. So the robbers have to connect all the roads till they find their, their required goals out of the deck. While they're doing it, the police are then following behind. And each tile has um, four groups of bystanders all looking in different directions. With four symbols that represent which way the robbers went. For them to advance to the next tile, they have to work out which um, corner of that board it has the most bystanders looking in the direction that the robbers went. So, say I place, say I place a tile going um, north, just to keep things simple. The police on the tile uh, on that previous tile have to work out which shape has the most people looking north. You might have five people in the northern section of the tile, but if they're all looking southeast and west then that's not the right required shape. And if you get anything wrong, it causes penalties of you trying to go back and figure it out. So the idea is, is um, robbers are trying to work out which is the best and most confusing tile to lay down and go as quickly as they can, with the police team sort of panicking to make sure they get the right symbol as quickly as they can. <laughs> if the police catch up to the robbers, the police win. I think I've got that about right. It's been a long time since I've played this. It's a good two years, I think, now since I've played this. Um, and as I said, it's one I want to crack out a bit more. It sort of got buried in the bottom of one of the boxes. It's been to our gaming group for a while, but where I'm in the process of taking so many games at once, I need to organize a proper... I'm organizing like a booklet system of what I have and painting up the boxes with multiple games in them. 
So, but it's definitely a good one um, to play, and I, I can't recommend this enough. Obviously, that's that's a couple of uh, ideas of the type of games that we personally have uh, that we actually quite like to play uh, fairly regularly. But that we even touched on one last week that was in my top five um, of the games to play at Halloween, which was One Night Ultimate Wealth, and we're talking ten minutes. That is literally a ten-minute game, and that's a social deduction game. So it really doesn't matter the type of game that it is. There's just so many different variations out there and it doesn't need to be super long. Another good one that we've mentioned many a time, so we're not going to go into zombie dice. Indeed, yes. Again, so simple as rolling some dice. It doesn't have to be difficult. And I mean, there's plenty others that we will talk about constantly till the cows come home. But some of the ones, you know, we've talked about Bandido loads in the past. It's a real fan favourite at all of the clubs. There isn't a club night that goes by, I think, where Bandido doesn't sometimes see the table. But that one leads me on very nicely to talking about the company that makes it. Now, I would actually stake my claim here and say that I think Heltic, who make Bandido, are the masters of making the short pocket 10 to 30 minute games. And Ian's actually got a couple of those sat in front of him. Now, Bandido is definitely one of them, uh, but there's a couple here as well, which you don't hear us talking about, but they are equally as good. So my favourite of the two extras of theirs, I own three of their games. Obviously, we've mentioned Bandido. Again, that's still my favourite of the lot. It's co-op, it's quick. Anyone, I'm yet to meet someone who cannot understand how to play that game. Mm. Definitely worth a pick up and should be in everyone's collection, in my opinion, and I don't often say that. Another good one of mine, two to four player game for 15 minutes. Uh, age rating of 6 to 99 so sorry people who have hit 100 apparently you're not allowed is uh, Kariba now pretense of this it's really simple you have a circle with 8 numbers on it to make up a watering hole and let's just say that there's a theme to this game you have cards 8 different numbers all different colours so they're easy recognisable with 8 different animals on them um, again the idea of this game is all these animals are trying to share the watering hole but they, they don't get on with each other so the bigger animals scare off the smaller animals Simple pretense, each player gets dealt five cards at the start of the game. You can play as many of the same numbered card as you like on a turn. The moment a pile of those cards hits three or more of that number, so for example four fours, it will defeat the next pile lowest down from the numbers. So say there are two twos on the table, which are the meerkats, and there are already two fours, and I have two fours in my hand, I can play both those fours, and I would get to take the meerkats as points. Um, fours being the giraffe for the record the only difference in this game is eights beat everything but so that the eights don't just clog up the table the ones the eights are elephants and the ones are mice because elephants are obviously scared of mice as we all know thanks cartoon industry the only thing the ones defeat which are the mice are the elephants so there is some loop round but it's quite a skillful game because if you've got two copies of a card you don't necessarily want to play both because if anyone else has the same number they're going to get some points because yeah, once you defeat a pile the, po- the the cards go into your pile and just count as one point per card just for the record but it's literally just a case of who can score the most points in a game but for example if i have two sevens in my hand unless someone else plays a seven i might not want to play those straight away and hold on to those for as long as possible because then you know seven's a high number you're likely to gain points the moment you play them if I play two, someone else can play one more and score the points that I would have been scoring. There's also strategy involved in if, for example, there are already three fours on the table and you can see someone building up one of the higher numbers, you might play one five just to be a knob and um, stop them being able to score those fours. Exactly, yeah. So there is some strategy in this game. 
other than that it's just really simple and every time you play a card you draw till you have five in your hand at the end of the turn again and you keep going till the deck runs out and your hand runs out first person to empty their hand ends the game and then you score from there really really fun easy game to play um again it's a small box game it literally fits in the palm of your hand that's how small these boxes are Another one that Ian has here is from the same company, and it's called Hippo. This is a um, push-your-luck game in a way. Dice-based game. The way to play Hippo, you have a a swimming pool in in, uh, sections of 1 to 12. The um, 1 to 6 have three spaces on them. 8 to 12 have two spaces. 7s have an unlimited amount of space. Just the one space, but an unlimited amount with a picture of Jason. I mean the Hippo on it. You can have up to four players. You each have a set amount of tokens in front of you, um, 12 chips to be precise. Idea of the game is you've got to get rid of all of your tokens that are in front of you. The way you do this on your turn, you roll three dice. And then you can choose to add the dice together for where you want to place your um, tokens. You can place more in one turn by spending each dice individually. You know, Or you can add two together and then spend one on its own, that sort of thing. So you can make combinations of the dice. The only hindrance is, if, say for example, lane one it has three spaces on it. Once the, the lane is full, any chips at the bottom are pushed out the moment one's pushed in. If you push off your own colour um, in a lane, so for example, lane one at the moment has two purples and a red. If a purple has is forced to play a one by only having a dice with one left on it, and they push their own one off the bottom of that track by overfitting the lane... It, normally, if you push one off, it pushes it to the original player's colour. If you push your own off, you have to take all of them, including any other player's colours, and put them in your supply, making sure you spend the um, other player's colours before you're allowed to spend your own again. Seven being a free number, you're allowed to um, place as many tokens there as you like, and I do believe you get a reroll once per turn. Um, and again, the idea of the game is literally just to um, get rid of all of your... Um, uh, chips however obviously you're all fighting for the same places on the same lanes and the bigger numbers like 12 are far more difficult to add up to so your dice might be your chips might be more safe in the higher numbers but you might only get one on the table whereas an opponent's getting three at once so it's it is a bit of a push your luck game we've had some hilarious games of this it's just not quite as easy to understand i hope i've explained that well as some of the other big box games once you're playing it it's very simple but it's quite a difficult one to sort of describe. And even I was having to check the rules then to make sure I was getting things right and not making a hash of it, which I did. So that that one has an amazing theme to it. You know, it's a cartoon hippo and it's so appealing to everyone. Yeah. Um, it's a fun game to play. It's a quick game to play again. And again, once well, as you've said, once you actually play it, it's really easy to pick it up. So we're going to talk about some other games now. And these are going to be honourable mentions because... Pretty much all of them we have talked about in the past at some point or another. One of the most popular ones, to the point that it won awards last year as well, which was The Crew, Quest for Planet Nine. A really simple, trick-taking game from Cosmos Games, who I've got to say they're really stepping their game up for these small box, uh, quick, quick games. Now, The Crew has 50 missions uh, in the box, so technically if you did all 50 missions, it's a lot more than 30 minutes but per game you're probably looking two three minutes so it's a real easy fast game to play good player count as well so you've got three to five players on this one and it can be played with 10 and up so yeah another very very good game another popular game that i have here in front of me amongst the gaming community is love letter again very very simple card based game 
I haven't actually played this one yet. It's it's one of the games that does sit in my pile of shame. Uh, I have seen it played many, many times. So I'm very much looking forward to breaking that one up. That might actually be one I'm going to break out this week, I think. Uh, yeah. You may recall a few weeks back, uh, I was talking about two of the games that I purchased for my little one uh, in Rabbit Rummage and Fishy Tactics. Again, they are really simple, family-based games for, you know, and played in less than 20 minutes. I can't express in words how much I really enjoy these fun, small, quick games. Exactly. Um, there's something refreshing about just knowing you've completed, completed a game quickly but really enjoyed yourself. Some of them are quite difficult. I said, I know we harp on about it, but Bandito, again, it's not a game you win every time or most times. It's another cooperative game. It's actually got quite a high, high difficult, difficulty curve to beat. But it's not a high difficulty curve to learn. I think that's some of the big appealing stuff about these smaller games is because they're designed as quick games. Most of them are simple to learn and quick to pick up. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, two more honourable mentions that we've talked about quite a lot recently, so I'm not going to go into high detail. I mean, my probably my ultimate favourite quick game that comes out regularly beyond the Bandito is Cahoots. It, you just can't, it's such a simple, it's math based, you know, you've got to follow challenges in front of you between four different piles of cards that are either numbers one to seven or colours of orange, green, purple or pink. And you have to follow those missions and beat as many as the difficulty you've chosen. Such a quick, simple game normally takes about 10, 15 minutes tops. Yeah. And one final honourable mention that we have in front of us. Again, these are just a selection that we personally have. There are hundreds of these games out here, uh, out there in the world. But these are just the selection that we have in front of us right now. Again, another game I purchased for my little one, which was Cobra Paw. Yeah. really really simple dexterity game to the point of it's domino type it's dominoes and dice so yeah essentially yeah dominoes with like multiple symbols on rather than numbers you've got six different symbols in the game and you've got six-sided dice with those symbols on you roll both dice match those two dice to one of the tiles and it's first one to slam their hand on it wins it it becomes incredibly violent. We had tiles flying everywhere when we played this a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it was hilarious, and I would happily play this again. Which is actually a really big selling point for me in this game, because Ian is not a big fan of dexterity games, and he really enjoyed this game. I did. And talking of um, not big fans of gaming types, but enjoying games, another type that we will bring into this is um, timed games. I've got some longer ones. I might have mentioned one before, um, Kitchen Rush. It's not a quick game, so I'm not going to go into that now. But it's all time-based, so each round is a certain amount of time. We have a couple of games that fit in the um, quick category for this. I've got one that is absolutely hilarious called Dungeon WC. I did this, The theme behind the game, and I kick-started this about a year or so ago, was you are your hardened Dungeons & Dragons adventurer. Has gone on his quest. He's slain the dragon... And then suddenly his stomach gives way and he needs that toilet. You have to get him back to the um, cave exit whilst finding a loo roll on your way. So you have to work together between you laying tiles whilst also rolling to defeat um, monsters along the way that either require dice rolls or even memory games. You have like five tiles with like ears, nose, eyes, hands that you have to flip in order to make sure before you're allowed to carry on past. But each each round is literally um, you have like a thing, it's like a five minute timer, and if that timer runs out, you lose. Yeah. There is a card in there, or you can pay with your money to flip it back over again. 
but you're all sort of panicking because you're not allowed to pass it to the next player until you've done your task. Again, it's it's sometimes it's really difficult to explain these games um, to someone without actually having you physically here in front of us. So we really do hope that we have got across how fun these games really are. And also just the fact of how many we've mentioned to explain how good they are. You know, we wouldn't have this many small box games if it, they weren't so well loved. You know, having the option for start of a round like game when you're not sure. And sometimes you need a quick game just as an icebreaker because you will get people, and I am I am insanely guilty of this. At the start of a game night, it does take a lot for me to get in the mood to really start gaming. I love gaming. I live for gaming. But sometimes it is just that. You just sometimes need that little kick up the backside to get you in the mood. And as soon as I've played one of these games, it's like, right, now I'm in the mood. Right, what, what can I play? That's where I start looking for things like Nemesis, etc. Or the opposite. You play a big, big game, and as I said, a game either goes well or badly, and you wrap it up, and you've got half an hour to spare. You don't really want to waste and go home early. But at the same time, you can't crack out the same game you've just played because it's like a two-hour game. So what do you do? But these make up that gap. You're still being sociable. You're still having a laugh, but you can still game as well. So yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on these as well, guys. So if you want to hit us up, give us your opinions. You can find us on any of the social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and indeed in the YouTube comments. Or you can hit us up on our Discord as well. Links will be on all of our social media sites. Now, I think it's time to hand over to what is seemingly being voted as the most popular person on this podcast. I think he's got his 10 minutes of fame. Let's see how he goes. He does indeed. Over to you, Brian. I mean, Paul. What time do you call this? You do know the country's gone back into lockdown. Yeah, I know, another one. So where have you been? Out with your lady hedgehog friend, Darcy. I thought you and her had broken up. Pretty bad by all accounts. Okay, you're gonna give it another go, huh? Oh well, good for you. One question I've always meant to ask you. How do you two, you know, have... Special cuddles. Yeah, I can understand carefully. I just want to point out that you're still young, so I just want to know that you're using protection. Yeah, I suppose a stab-proof vest is protection when you're dating a hedgehog, but you know full well what I meant. I just don't want any hybrid duck-hedgehog babies running around. It's cramped enough in this shed as it is without turning it into a petting zoo. Sorry, crash. Look, I'm pleased for you and Darcy. Just remember the whole lockdown thing. Stay home, play more board games, save the NHS, save lives. Yep, that's right, we do public service announcements too. Right, listeners? Let's get this news thing going. Warchief Gaming, a local club founded by two former vice presidents of Blizzard, has been transformed into a tabletop developer. Beginning two years ago, as a gaming club based in California, Warchief Gaming was originally intended to be a place for ex-Blizzard VPs Chris Metzen and Mike Gilmartin to play tabletop games on a casual basis. However, after Metzen retired from Blizzard four years ago, the CCO of Warchief realised that they wanted to turn the organisation into something more. 
Blizzard is a video games publisher and developer known for the creation of first-person hero shooter Overwatch and real-time strategy games like StarCraft and WarCraft. Having driven much of the world-building behind titles such as WarCraft, which led to the creation of the massively multiplayer online RPG World of WarCraft and Diablo, Metzen described how Warchief Gaming was enabled him to return to the hobby that he loves. Blizzard recently partnered with Tabletop Studios' Days of Wonder to launch Small World of Warcraft, a spin-off from the beginner board game Small World. In an interview with Venture Beat, the two Warchief Gaming founders discussed their pivot from video game development to tabletop gaming. Tabletop is where I learned to be creative with all my friends growing up. Playing D&D, playing Warhammer, said Metzen. Even after that glorious Blizzard experience, I want that intimate scale again. Referencing the frantic pace of video games development and the subsequent explosion of World of Warcraft, changing his creative team into a service provider of this big, giant game, the interview highlighted Metzen's desire to create something smaller scale that he and Gil Martin will be able to control. Joining Metzen and Gil Martin is Ryan Collins, one of the designers behind the hugely popular digital card game Hearthstone. Collins is now lead developer for Warchief Gaming, bringing the current team responsible for the tabletop gaming company to a total of three. We look forward to Warchief Gaming announcing their future plans shortly. Until then, job's done. Yeah, I know, it's a pretty good impression, isn't it? Hopefully someone will get it. Popular Dungeons & Dragons role-playing group Critical Role has announced the launch of its very own publishing company, Darrington Press. Headed up by Ivan Van Norman, actor and co-owner of Hunters Entertainment, the studio behind rules like RPG Alice is Missing. Darrington Press will be producing tabletop games based on the world of Exandria, a D&D 5e setting created for Critical Role, as well as several new properties not connected to the actual play series. The first release from Darrington Press will be a co-op game called Akatoa that sees three to five players attempting to keep their ship afloat after it's attacked by an ancient leviathan. Inspired by the sinister sea deity that the Warlock Fjord, one of the characters featured in the second season of Critical Role, has dealings with, Akatoa looks to challenge players in a desperate struggle for survival. Another title announced by Darrington Press is Critical Role Adventures, a legacy-style game that has players embodying the characters of Vox Machina, the party of adventurers that starred in the first season of Critical Role, as they travel across the world of Exandria. Throughout the game, players will have to work together to succeed in various combat encounters, as well as grapple with narrative decisions that will have lasting impact on the overarching story. One of the upcoming games not based on the universe of Critical Role is Guardian of Matrimonia, a co-op car game about fighting hordes of monsters in a fantasy realm. Each player will have a pre-built deck that they'll need to use to defeat the incoming party crashers threatening to break up the merry band of adventurers. However, if anyone's deck runs out of cards before all the enemies are defeated, then the entire group loses. The last title to be announced is Syndicult, a tabletop role-playing game where players become members of rival mob families in a world steeped in magic. Syndicult is designed by Matthew Mercer, an actor known for their voice work in video games like Overwatch and anime Sword Art Online, as well as being the resident dungeon master for Critical Role. The upcoming RPG will feature storytelling mechanics driven by dice rolls and plenty of opportunities for players to use magic. 
Critical Role is an actual play RPG video series on YouTube, meaning that a party of role players film their games for an audience, featuring various actors such as Ashley Johnson, Laura Bailey and Travis Willingham. Since its inception, Critical Role has released an official source book for D&D 5e called Explorer's Guide to Wildermount, being adapted for an upcoming Amazon Prime animated series and launched a non-profit organisation called the Critical Role Foundation. Okotoa is set to be released in Q1 2021, with Critical Role Adventures following in Q2, Syndicult releasing in Q3, and Guardians of Matrimonia arriving sometime in Q4 of next year. Retail prices for all of these titles have yet to be confirmed. A live-action Dungeons & Dragons series is in the early stages of development, Wizards of the Coast owner Hasbro has revealed. No, it doesn't say if it's the cartoon or the prop of D&D, although a revamped cartoon series would be so good. During the Toy and Games Giant's quarterly investor call for Q3 2020, Hasbro CEO Brian Goldner said that Entertainment One, the film and TV studio owned by Hasbro, was currently working on a couple of different approaches to creating a live-action television adaptation of Dungeons & Dragons. Goldner said that the multiple options for the D&D series were being explored because there is so much mythology and canon to Dungeons and Dragons, adding that there's been very strong interest from global streamers and other terrestrial broadcasters in bringing the fantasy RPG to the small screen. Entertainment One recently announced that the end of the effing world creator and director Jonathan Entwistle had joined the studio to lead development of live-action film and television adaptations of Power Rangers. Yep, Jason will be happy. Whether Entwistle will be involved with a D&D series in any way is yet to be confirmed. The live-action Dungeons & Dragons TV series joins the long-awaited new D&D movie, which has been in the works since at least 2015 and has passed through several directors, studios and writers since. The film, a reboot of the big Dungeons & Dragons adaptation released in 2000. Yeah, that was really bad, wasn't it? The new film is currently scheduled for release on May 27th, 2022, having been delayed from its previous release date in November 2021. As part of the same earnings call, Hasbro revealed that revenue from Dungeons & Dragons products were up more than 20% year-on-year, attributed partially to the game's popularity during lockdown. We've certainly been playing a lot of Lords of Waterdeep, haven't we? as well as the release of digital games, including recent PC game Baldur's Gate 3. Right, we're heading on over to Kickstarter and Crowdox now. You'll get the gist in a minute. 10th of November, Power Rangers deck building game comes to Crowdox. It's for 2-4 to four players and 30-60 to 60 minutes to play. Well, about two days after I recorded last week's episode, we had the official release date for Power Rangers deck building game come in, with that being November the 10th. And although we thought that pre-orders would go live on the Renegade website, it looks like it's all being done through a separate crowdfunding website, Crowdox. If you didn't catch last week's news, firstly, why the hell not? You tell them. Secondly, we didn't mean that. You know, we're all busy. Here's the game Splurge if you needed it. Is it morphin' time? 
or is it time to conquer the world? The competitive deck building game pits one or two heroes against one or two villains. As an asymmetrical game, the hero and villain sides play a little differently, but in the end they both have the same goal, crush your enemies. During their turn, players will play cards to generate shards and energy. You use shards to buy cards or battle adversaries and gain rewards. You can attack the opposing team using your attack cards, and when you are attacked you can defend with your block cards. At the end of their turn, players will perform any end of turn actions, discard cards played that turn, and take one damage for each adversary in the grid, or the market. Then they will refill their hands to five cards. The first side to reduce their opponent's hit points to naught wins the game. And remember, that's over on Crowdox, not Kickstarter. Another game coming to Kickstarter is Elements of the Gods on the 10th of November. For 1-5 to five players, it takes about 30-90 to 90 minutes to play. You are a young god at the dawn of civilization, using the powers of the elements to gather worshippers and influence them to do your bidding. Use stonemasons to build monuments to glorify your name and beautify your monuments with lush green spaces tended by gardeners. You'll also need mystics to perform your sacred rituals and the zealots willing to spill their own blood in your honour. The god who can attain the most glory wins. On your turn you will choose one of the five elements and place it on the board, manipulating the worshippers to allow you to play a card from your hand. You will score points by building monuments and gardens and playing divinity cards and at the end of the game you will score bonus points from the worshippers in your domain. Also out on the 10th of November? is the Wanderer's Guide. Not so much a game, but a companion to RPG game masters both new and experienced. The Wanderer's Guide is an immersive fantasy atlas featuring multiple perspectives, ranging from breathtaking world views, intricate city designs, to detailed building interiors and dungeons. It features a compendium of over 50 pages of maps featuring immersive, beautiful artwork by Andrew Bosley, famous for Everdale, Merchants of the Dark and Tapestry Art to enhance your fantasy RPG campaigns and spark the imagination of the players. With a hardcover, lay-flat binding and dry erase pages, it makes for quick editing and changes as your campaign evolves. It includes an abundance of tokens to add more character, landmarks, features and customization to your campaign. Also, an interactive NPC system for adding lots of variety and plot hooks for the game master to engage the players with. And after Kickstarter, I'm afraid this is a depressing bit now. I think we should have started with this, really. Gaming events, or lack thereof. Yep, with the country going back into lockdown, all meetings are off the cards. In person, of course. This includes the Wednesday and Thursday meets in Crawley, Lewis and Worthing. And unfortunately, Mid-Sussex Meeple's event on the 22nd looks to be a no-go as well. But as the guys were saying, jump on and join us on Discord on a Monday evening. It is hilarious. Even if you are just watching Jason and Ian streaming the game Walking with Dinosaurs, or them attempting to salvage stuff together and beat off a shark in Raft, the banter, I can guarantee, is one that certainly will help start a week of restrictions in the best possible mood. I'm afraid that's all from the Shed this week. We'll be back here, same game Shed, same Shed time next week. So it's a goodbye from him, and a goodbye from me. And remember... Stay home, play more board games, save the NHS, and save lives. 
Thank you, Paul, and thank you, Brian. It's great to hear from you again, and thank you very much for joining us this week, guys. It's been a pleasure talking to you about, again, one of our favourite subjects, the small box, fast-playing games with a short game time. We are going to close it down there, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Please do, you know, give us a review on whatever podcast service you found this on. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, because, you know, you really like us, obviously. Share, subscribe, all that loveliness. We will see you again next week, where we will inevitably be talking about something tabletop-based. Not really sure what it's going to be yet, but I'm pretty sure it'll be tabletop-based. I hope so. It's kind of the theme. Yeah, we're doing pretty good at that. (laughs) (laughs) The first time for everything. (laughs) But once again, guys, thank you very much. You've been amazing. Stay well and stay safe. Game safe, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.